died for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So the response, Jim used that, re that response or that saying, when I say he is risen, you say? He is risen indeed. Okay, that was really weak. So let's, <laughs> let's try this again like we mean it. He is risen. You guys are quick learners. But have you ever wondered where that saying came from? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought, like, maybe it's some, just something somebody made up because they thought it was cute and kind of a nice thing to say on Easter Sunday? I, okay, I, none of you will admit it, but I'll admit I was that guy that thought that. Like, why are we saying this? Because, I mean, yeah, it's nice, but why are we? And you could maybe say an argument that maybe it's just a church tradition that we see on Easter Sunday. It's like I said, it's a good phrase. There's nothing wrong with it. It's true. And it's something that we should celebrate. And actually in the Bible we see in Luke, it, it does in chapter 24, verse 34, it does tell us the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Now, we also see that in Matthew in the chapter 28, but I wouldn't be able to use the word half. And I've never used the word half before in my life, so I figured this would be a good time to be able to use that word. And in Matthew, I would be able to use the word go with, but that's the word I didn't like that word as well, so I just used half. But I grew up in a church where you said a lot of things, just repeated them every Sunday. You just would repeat all of these sayings or these prayers. In fact, last night at dinner, we were talking about one, and, and Kim was asking me, don't you remember that? Don't you remember that? So she looked it up, and I go, yep, I remember it. It just comes back to me. I repeat these things over and over, but I, I really would say them. I didn't really think about what I was saying. I didn't really think about it. It didn't really have any meaning. It didn't have any life to it. But if you really paid attention to those words of those things I was saying, they were really good stuff. There was, there was important stuff and true stuff in those. Like the phrase... The phrase we just said, that's an important one, isn't it? It's a pretty important one. So he is risen. He is risen I told you, we're learning. So now, in our story today, we see the women going to the tomb. And we could preach on that, but I'm not going to because I'd probably get myself in trouble. But we find, they find an empty tomb. And maybe they, they should have said, instead of just wondering where he was, maybe they should have said, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? Because that's a question maybe that we should be asking because in this day and age when, when somebody dies and you bury them and you go to their grave later, you expect the body to be there, right? Now, in our era, you know, you go, there's a gravesite, But in Jesus' era, you know, they were buried in a tomb. And when the women went there, the, the, the tomb was empty. That you would expect to see the body, but it wasn't, was it? Because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, you passed the test. We're good now. So this, I, this Jesus being raised from the dead, that's kind of a big deal, isn't it? Seems to be a big deal. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, 14 tells us, you'll see it on the screen, and, and it says, and face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors, and everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. And I picked the message for that because I just like the way they said that. In other verses, it it's uses the word useless. So it's saying everything we believe in is useless. Our faith is useless. The death that Jesus endured on the cross is useless. 
that isn't true. Now, this empty tomb of Jesus being raised from the dead, is, it's, it's pivotal in our Christian faith, isn't it? This one act of, of gave us forgiveness, gave us forgiveness for our sins forever. It repaired our relationship to God. It, it gave us life. And this final sacrifice that Jesus, Jesus gave us, this final price for our sins. In fact, look at Romans 6. A couple of verses out of Romans 6, verses 4 and 11, assuring us of this new life. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin, and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So I'm going to ask you that question again. Where are you? Where are you? But I don't want you to think of that question referring to Jesus. I want you to think of that question of where are you in your relationship to Jesus? So the first thing, first question for you, are you hiding? Are you hiding? We saw when Jesus was arrested, we saw his disciples hiding. When Jesus was on the cross. We saw those close to him. They were off in the distance. They, they weren't close to him as he hung on the cross. And in Mark 14, 15, shows us this. It, when he was arrested, it says, when, then all of his disciples deserted him and ran away. And Luke 23, 49 tells us, but Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distant wa- distance watching. So are you watching from a distance? Maybe you're observing the lives of those people that follow Jesus from a distance, from far off. That you're watching them from a distance because they live their lives in such a way that they're examples of Jesus and that people can see Jesus in their lives. That's something we should strive for, right? That people can see Jesus in our lives. But you're watching. You're not sure what those people think about you. What, what, what to think about Jesus. You don't even know what to think about him. You might be scared. You might be afraid. You might be angry. You might want nothing to do with any of it. But then you might be anxious. And you might even be curious. You might even think that all these people that follow Jesus, that they're just crazy. You might be thinking, asking the question, do they hate me? Do they judge me? Or would they love me? Would they accept me? You might be thinking, does Jesus accept me? I'm going to tell you, Jesus does accept you. And no, all these Jesus people, they're not crazy. Well, maybe not all of us. Or maybe all of us are. Maybe it just depends on who you're, what eyes you're looking through, what perspective it is. But I will say this, is that Jesus accepts you, we accept you, and we love you. Or at least we should. Remember in the past we've talked about loving your neighbor as yourselves? And who's your neighbor? Every one of us is, is your neighbor. Those in this room and those outside of this room, we're all your neighbor. Maybe you're too scared to come close to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're worried about you might have to give something up. You might have to give something up in your life that, that you want to hold on to. Or you might be worried about those people that you're close to right now. You might be worried about what they th- they're going to think of you if you come out of hiding. If you come out of hiding and you want to follow Jesus. That they, they wonder what you want to be when you want to associate with these people that follow Jesus. Now, 
this is a story of a, of a kid, young kid I met in El Salvador. He was, uh, I think, 12 years old. And in El Salvador, where we were at, it's, it's highly populated by MS-13 gang members and MS-18 gang members. And actually, where we were is right on the division line. The 18s are on this side, the 13s are on this side. So we're doing this outreach down there. And there's this kid, and you can tell that he's being courted by the gangs because if he has nice, clean, white shoes and he wears his hair kind of a certain way, kind of greased back, and you can tell that he's being influenced or he is a gang member. So we, we're, this kid, is, he's always off in the distance. He talks to us, but he's, just, he's, always just, he's never part of it. He's just in the distance. He's watching us. He's seeing what's going on. Throughout the week, he gets a little closer, a little closer, a little closer. And then finally, I, probably some of the gang members that are trying to influence him to join the gang, they want to steal all our stuff. And here's this kid. He fights them off. He tells them no. He doesn't let them take all of our stuff. And he's risking, these are probably his friends. He's risking his involvement in the gang. He might even be risking harm. He might, they may have roughed him up later in the, in the week or later after we left. He might even have been risking his life. So this whole Jesus thing is kind of risky, isn't it, sometimes? But it's worth the reward. Now, in Matthew 13, verses 44 through 45, we see that there's this man that finds this treasure in a field. He finds this treasure, and he hides it in that field. And then it says, in his joy sold all he had to buy that field. And we also learn that there's a merchant that is in search of fine pearls. And he finds one of great, great value. So he goes and he sells everything he has to buy this pearl. Because Jesus is that great, great, great treasure. And he's worth everything. So maybe you're hiding. Maybe you're hiding from Jesus. You don't want anything to do with him. Or maybe you're hiding because there's something that he's asking you to do and you just don't want to do it. You're scared. You're afraid. Maybe, you know, when you get that tug in your heart, maybe some of you are maybe even feeling a tug right now of, of something. Maybe some of us are at a point where we've accepted Jesus into our life, that we've given our life to him, and that we're, we're hiding, like I said, hiding from something that he's asking us to do. That at some point in our lives, though, we've all hidden from Jesus, haven't we? And maybe some of us still are hiding. Now, when I grew up, growing up, I was a really good hider. I was probably not very good English, so I was probably very good at hiding. But many of you probably can relate to this. So when mom's mad at you and you're in trouble, you can tell, right? Like she's, her voice is loud and she's yelling and she usually uses your full name when she's searching for you. And you know that if you hide and she calms down, then you know it's safe to come out, and then you usually probably aren't in trouble, or if you are in trouble, it's not, the consequences aren't going to be as bad as it was. Now, I was able to carry this through to most of my adulthood, because as a lot of you know that I'm a pharmacist, and I've been a pharmacist most of my life. And so, in the old days of pharmacy, and I was just at the tail end of this, but you know, we had a platform kind of like this, that was, I was up above everybody, and this one was even taller, because it was probably another step, so... I could look down at people and see them, 
And I could see those angry people coming at me, so I could just kind of hide behind the counter like that. <laughs> and then I'd wait till they weren't mad anymore, and they could just pop up. And I was hiding from them. But also in that, I was hiding from what God was asking me to do. So then there was one day, at a point in time, I had to step down. I had to come behind that counter, and I had to stop hiding. And I had to do what God was asking me to do. And actually, that's what led me up in front of all of you today and try to tell me that's not scary. Because it is a little bit, but not as bad as it was. So are you hiding? Are you hiding from Jesus? Maybe hiding from starting a relationship with Jesus. Hiding from what Jesus is asking you to do. So if you are, maybe today is a good day. Maybe today is a good day to come out of hiding. So I'm going to ask, where are you? Maybe, are you complying? Are you complying? What do I mean by that? So we see the body of Jesus, that it was wrapped in a cloth and placed in a tomb. I'm going to pick up the story in Luke 23, verse 54, and, and we see this description. On preparation day, the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. So we know there was a body in the tomb. We know Jesus died. We know he was placed there. Then they went home, the women and the, and the people that helped put Jesus in the tomb and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. So this body of Jesus, according to Jewish law, it wasn't prepared properly. And they couldn't do that because Sabbath was coming, and so they couldn't work during Sabbath, so they had to go back to the, to the tomb so that the women could wash the body, anoint the body and with perfumes and spices, and, and then there was a proper way to wrap the body also. So... We see people s simply complying with the common practices of the day. So there's that question, are you complying? What complying is, we could just be going to church once a week. We just go to church, we're complying. We say our prayers, maybe we say our prayers morning and night, we comply. We forgive people, we don't use foul language. We do all the things that we're, not suppo we're supposed to do. We don't do the things we're not supposed to do. All these things that say, this is, we're complying with all the things. If you want to be a Christian, this is what you do. You comply to all these things. Now, most of us have worked or working or, or at some point have had a job. So at work, there's all kinds of rules and regulations and policies and procedures, isn't there, that we just need to comply with. And if we don't comply with them, we end up probably getting fired. But we don't really put a lot of thought into them. We just do them. We're not enthusiastic about them. We just follow them and do what we're supposed to do. And COVID gave us a lot of those. We've had a whole year of experiencing what it means to comply, to comply to all these things. But if you really <coughs> done more than comply and really grasp what the death and resurrection of Jesus really means, that this act of Jesus, it gives us life. <coughs> now, I want us to listen to these words in Matthew 16. This is verse 24 and 26. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? So this idea of losing our life for Jesus, this, this sounds like something more than I just want to do than comply with. That it's going to require a lot more from me than just following a bunch of rules. <clears throat> a bunch of rules that if I follow these rules, especially in a job situation, it might make me very successful. It might make me very successful as the world says that's success. But really, I can't comply myself to this life with Jesus by just complying. I must lose my life. I must lose it for Jesus, but I gain life. I think if I'm going to lose my life, I, that sounds like something I better mean it. I better put a, some thought into that. And the life I get better be worth it. And those of you that believe, it's worth it, isn't it? It's worth it. So are you simply complying? Or have you lost your life for Jesus? So ask that question again. Where are you? So are you wondering? The women went to the tomb, and Peter also went to the tomb, and they wondered what happened to Jesus. In Luke, it tells us, it says, the women were wondering. And further down in verse 12, it says, running to the tomb, seeing for himself, they're talking about Peter, seeing for himself an empty tomb, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. So maybe you find yourself wondering about this Jesus. You've heard me talk about him. You've heard Stan talk about him. You've heard other people up here talk about him. You've heard... Friends talk about him. You're in church and even have been in groups and maybe they talk about Jesus. But workplace, they talk about Jesus. And maybe you're wondering, is all of this true? Jesus giving his life to pay the price for our sins, to give us eternal life. Now, just to make you wonder some more, I want to share some more verses of what the Bible says about this. About this life, to make you wonder, make you think a little bit maybe. This first, first one, John 3, 16, we know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then there's 1 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This righteousness of God. That this relationship to God that we have is made right through Jesus that we no longer have to hide from God, that Jesus gives us this path to restore our relationship to God. Here's some more verses. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23. Then there's John 3.36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains in them. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And everybody in this room, I am sure at some point, have already wondered who Jesus really is. When you have felt that thing in your gut or your heart that pulls on us, it kind of gets us all twisted up. That thing that, it doesn't matter if you believe or not, there's something 
that you maybe wondered, and that's, that's why you're in church today, wondering who Jesus is. Now, some of us have made the decision to stop wondering, and we've started believing. Some of you still might be wondering, and that's okay. But maybe today is the day to stop wondering. So where are you? Are you believing? Do you believe in Jesus? The Bible tells us even demons believe in Jesus. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe Jesus died on the cross for you? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross to give you forgiveness of your sins? All of them. Every single one of them. That he died on the cross to restore our relationship with God. That just all of this complying that I try to do, could never do. Do you believe that Jesus' death on the cross and being raised from the dead, conquering death, gave you eternal life? Do you believe these words in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10? But it has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who, was who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So do you believe? We see in Matthew 27 that there was a centurion that believed at Jesus' death. These are the words. It says, when the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. And then we see the disciples after Jesus was risen from the dead, after his resurrection from the grave. And they, uh, they thought they were seeing a ghost. Look at these words with me out of Luke. It says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your, rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. <clears throat> Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. So here's the disciples. They had Jesus right in front of them. His physical body. They saw the holes in his hands and his feet. They saw Jesus eat and drink. Yet they still were kind of in wonder. They didn't know what was going on. Later, it tells us they did believe. They did recognize Jesus. But these are people that spent three years with them, three plus years with Jesus, and they didn't recognize him. And yet we see the centurion, he didn't even see the resurrected body, and he believed. Now, I say this because we all at some point stand to different circumstances at different points of believing who Jesus is or, or seeing Jesus' presence. That everyone's story is different, but at some point, Jesus will make himself known to us and then we can choose to believe or not. Now, this week, as a lot of you can tell, I got a haircut this week. And so in the hair, when I was getting my haircut at the barber shop, this guy walks in and he tells a story about watching this movie. I've never seen this movie, probably never will, but it's called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. So obviously you think it's probably a horror, horror movie, and it, they were saying it's a true story, and I don't know if it is or not, but it's about a priest that does an exorcism and I think the girl died or was close to death. I don't know. But 
he tells a story about he was, gonna, he was watching this movie late at night. He was alone by himself. And, you know, isn't that usually like the best time to watch a horror movie? <laughs> is alone by yourself at night? Well, in the dog, his dog is outside. And so it's time to let the dog in. But he's playing this movie. And he's saying that, okay, so at the beginning of the movie, they play these tape recordings that the priest took of this Emily speaking, and it was actually the demon speaking, and so they're playing these, and the dog won't come inside. The dog is scared. So he goes and turns the movie on, finally get off, gets the movie dog to come inside, gets everything kind of calmed down. Again, it's late at night. He's home alone. It's dark outside. And for some reason, he starts playing the movie again. So he plays the movie, turns on, and so then the dog goes and jumps on top of his lap when these recordings start playing. And what I forgot to tell you is that the dog's a great dane. <laughs> so he, everybody in the shop believed all of the story, believed all of this stuff. They believed in ghosts. And, and it even goes to show you that even the dog was believing in, in these demons and in these ghosts. And I want us to see that we believe in, so, we find it so easy to believe in people's stories that we believe in demons, that we believe in so many things, but yet we have such a hard time sometimes of believing in this risen Jesus. So I ask, do you believe? Do you believe? And where are you? Well, maybe, maybe we are alive. When we're not hiding anymore, when we're not just complying anymore, when we're not wondering anymore, we believe and we are alive. You were dead because of your sins, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. That God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross death that we all share on through share in through sin but sin's lost its power over us when Jesus took it on the cross death was defeated when Jesus rose from the dead death could no longer hold us captive we were alive we are alive now I want you to, I'm going to read you this paragraph out of this really smart guy his name is Wayne Grudem he writes theology books, and this is really the only paragraph I can understand also. So I'm going to read this to you. Just listen to these words. It says, when Jesus rose from the dead, he had a new quality of life, a resurrection life, in a human body and human spirit that were perfectly suited for fellowship and obedience to God forever. In his resurrection, Jesus earned for us a new life just like his. We do not receive all of that new resurrection life when we become Christians, for our bodies remain as they were, still subject to weakness, aging, and death. But in our spirits, we are made alive with new resurrection power. This is through his resurrection that Christ earned for us the new kind of life we receive when we are born again. So again, this Jesus being raised from the dead is kind of a big deal, isn't it? Kind of a big deal for our faith. Now, I still have this old hurting body. I still have this body that creaks and moans when I get up in the morning. I still have this body that wants to take a nap about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I still have this body that wants to go to bed at 8 o'clock in the afternoon. 
So if you have some at the church you need, need don't come by at 2 o'clock because Stan and I might be napping in our offices. <laughs> but we can receive life. We can be born again. We can be cleansed of our sinful life, life that leads to death. But we need to believe and be born again. And then we are made alive. So I'm going to ask that question I started with today. When I ask that question again, I'm not talking about, about where is Jesus. We know where Jesus is, right? Jesus is alive. I'm asking you in regards to your life, your relationship with Jesus. Where are you? Lord, I thank you for your son. I thank you that you, he was risen from the dead, that he took all of our sin on him, Lord, that he forgave us the sin, our sins, and we didn't deserve it, Lord, but, but you gave that to us. You gave us life, Lord, that by accepting Jesus and following him and giving our life, Lord, we can receive this eternal life. We can relieve, receive this new life, this new spirit, Lord, just can come upon us, Lord, and give us this new life, this new this hope that we have, Lord. I just thank you for that gift that you gave us.